0: Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Mystery of Parenthood, as I said, and I'm Trey Cashin. I've got two other fathers here in with me, Adam Earhart and Thaddeus Romanski. And we're going to be talking about something, but before we uh get on that topic. Let's go ahead and begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Holy, uh, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pope St. John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us. Pray for Holy us. Family of Nazareth, pray for us. And St. Irenaeus, pray for us. us.
1: Pray pray for for us.
0: us. All right. Uh, in name of the Father and the Son and Holy the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Yeah, so... Um, as is often the case, Thaddeus ran, ran across a, a good article that I think is something that they do. Thank you for that. Thank you uh, It's by my Charles Pope and it's it's regarding some errors that are in our culture and we it was suggested that we kind of talk through them, maybe identify them for what they are, some nuances, but just as a parent, how do we how do we help either inoculate our children for, prepare them for how to answer it mm-hmm. or anything like that. But uh, hey, I'm a good, you know I'm, I'm Irish, but I should be accused of being Italian because, because I talk with my hands all too much. I just knocked over a piece of uh, I mean uh, thank
1: God I had the thing sealed Jesus bottle of water but,
0: uh, but a sealed bottle of water that would have ended up all over me. But anyway, uh I digress.
1: Hey, you know, Trey I was just thinking while you were praying the prayer, we should go, we should go through and kind of break down the prayer. Yeah. Sometime. It's a good idea. Maybe <laughs> we'll do that soon. Yeah, okay. You know, Sounds right. good. It's a beautiful but, prayer. Yeah, it, it is. Like, it's, you
0: know, John Paul II. Yeah. Always always good. So um, anyway, uh, I wanted to I know y'all are familiar with me and with Thaddeus. Want to introduce and welcome um, Adam Earhart here. Maybe you could tell us something about yourself and he's, you know, family and father. He's gonna be somebody that's gonna add a great deal to the show, I think.
2: Oh, uh, absolutely. Thank thank you guys for having me. Um, like you said, my name's Adam Earhart. I'm a campus minister here at Saint Mary's. Um I was on uh, uh Red Sea Radio a couple times before so uh, with Gene on on Red Sea Ra- uh, Roundup we spoke about Mariology and and oh, uh, yeah. I, I told my story like kind of testimony um but also just wanted to say that I am a father a uh, husband and father of four uh, ages 12 to 2 okay. so it's an exciting household we have a lot of yeah. fun uh, <laughs> very challenging you know uh, with the culture and, and trying to raise them uh to To answer the call to greatness, right, and um, but at the same time, not to take on too much of a negative outlook, or right, you know, um, you know, to be aware of the challenges, but not necessarily to always be confrontational and, and all right those
0: things, right. Well, I think, and I think that's one of the things that I think that that we want to do. We frequently want to when we see something written up because we think that's really how. God often works in our life as mm-hmm. as Christians is he puts something in front of you and then then how you respond is, is his call and particularly when that response requires that maybe we go against whatever the status quo is or Absolutely. against what is being presented. And I think part of it is just identifying the problems because sometimes they can mm-hmm. kind of go by and and maybe you think it's just a, a, a momentary thing. When in right. fact, it's really an underlying philosophy. Yeah, there's roots there. There's roots there, and and I think part of being purposeful, as we talk about in, in our parenting, is to be you know have the antennas up, so to speak, mm-hmm. as to hey, there's a root. This happens, you see it, but there's really roots that are underlying it, and if we don't get at the roots, it's going to keep popping up. If we don't get at the roots and help our children get become aware of the the roots that are there then we're doing them a disservice because we've got to prepare them. We've got to prepare them to go out into this world and become um, people who engage the culture. Mm-hmm. And part of engaging okay. it is being aware of of what the culture is proposing. And for us to know as Christians what we should be pr- proposing yeah. in, in uh, sometimes contradiction mm-hmm. to that or recognizing pieces of it. Oh, that's true, but we need to maybe nuance it a little bit to make it, be truly Christian. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Because we could fall into the, the error of just reacting against everything.
0: Absolutely. It's always better. You know, I'm an old football coach. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to plan, you want, I yeah. there are going to be things that happen that, sh- that surprise you, but there are things because of previous experience, if you are purposeful and you're working through it, there are things that, Oh yeah, this is probably going to happen as a result of this. Mm-hmm. That's being really prepared. Right. It doesn't mean you're prepared for everything that That's comes right. your way. But we should keep our eyes and and help open the eyes of our kids to these errors and how they respond and and maybe even how because sometimes when you're engaging in the culture, there might be a an ounce of truth there might be something true about it, and mm-hmm. sometimes if you start with the true aspect of it absolutely then then you have something to talk in common and then and then from there you can nuance it or Redirect it. Absolutely. There's the um, uh, Dr. D'Ambrosio, Marcelino D'Ambrosio was one of my professors, Dr. and one Italy. of yeah, Doctor Italy, and and one of the one of the great words that I've that I think are that he always talked about. It's always stuck with me is that Christians should critically assimilate things, and that that's really what that's really what Christians have always done. So when you see things, it's when you see things like, oh, you know, Halloween is a is a um, Halloween is one of those is one of those things. that's a pagan, um, it's a pagan based holiday. Mm-hmm. That okay, so maybe that's where it was. But as Christians, Christians went and took that and said, "Yeah, we're all going to die. That's a fact. Right. And we're all going to have something that comes after our death. That's a fact. So they started with that. They critically assimilated, and then they proposed something different. Which is why you get that that's uh, the hollow is actually hollows eve which is the eve mm-hmm. of all saints day which again points us in the direction that we should head so we should recognize that which is true in something that's wrong i think and then assimilate it use that as a launching board to be able to engage the culture and say hey but now you got to look a little bit further than this right I-
2: absolutely especially to help our kids realize that a lot of errors a lot of these um, behavioral things or societal things that we kind of can 't accept, you know start with people seeking happiness in right. some way it might be misguided um but there is a, a truth in their they 're seeking they 're seeking a good what they right. think is good, but it it may not be a good in itself
0: right I and I think it's all all those the the other, the other thing that I would say is I think monsignor Pope at the beginning of this article actually addresses or maybe i I might have been reading actually one of the one of his Clickovers, but he talks about heresy. it might have been one of that clicked over, but but he makes a good point he said most heresies are built on part of the truth mm-hmm. you know that and and that's what we're saying part that that typically heresy tends to to take one part of the truth to the exclusion of a second, and a good Catholic Dr. D'Ambrosio again said that there's always if you want to know what's true, then know there must be tension between two seemingly opposed things mm. that unless they're held together in tension up as true, we lose sight of what really is true. So for example, Jesus, 100% God, Jesus, 100% man, not, not 50, 50, not that we have to hold that he is God, the God from all time. Never was there a time that he was not. He was all, he's always been in existence, eternal being in communion with the, Mm -hmm. with the father and with the Holy spirit for all time. But He became 100% like us in all things but sin. Lots of heresies have gone, well, no, he's really just God, or he really was a good man. I mean, if you look at the ones that have fallen off the tracks, the church stands firm on both of those are true. Mm. Nature and grace, you know, it's fallen nature, but it's good, but grace, grace is able to overcome. It's efficacious in overcoming, and it seems like, you know, the works, <laughs> a relationship that, you know, I can earn myself. No, only with God's grace can I become who God intends me. But I have to do something with his gift. Absolutely. So that, that tension is always a good thing for us as Catholics to remember. If it seems like it's all going one direction, probably isn't true. Right. But that might be a good place to start hmm. with somebody who, the, the, the place where they're hanging on to what is true. Right, um, or some aspect of the truth, right?
2: Yeah, can I can I speak? Yeah, a little please, bit do To, yeah. to your um, example about assimilating what's good from a culture, right? Or, you know, in the midst of even um, some things we cannot accept, like St. Paul in the Areopagus, right? Exactly, Acts, right? Absolutely. He he brings in uh, Greek poetry. Um, God in, in whom we live and move and have our being. He says, even your poets say this. You know, right. and it, it's a way of uh, being able to relate to them the good news in the midst of a perceived. Absolutely.
0: Ever. Yes. I, and I love it. He goes through and he says, you have all these statues right. and you have one that's the unknown God. Well, I'm here to tell you who the unknown God that's is. Right. I mean, so he's, he, he's building off of that, which is like what I'm saying. The, the begin the first show we ever did five years ago, how many are coming up on five years ago, we, we started with the, with Deuteronomy six as a, mm-hmm. as a parent. And, and it says, you know, in these words, which I command you, this is Pope. I mean, this is a Pope. Moses talking to the people. He said, and these words, which I command you this day shall be upon your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And that's really where it happens. It, it, it happens with quality time engaged in it. And, and those are the opportunities to teach. I mean, not that you can't sit down and have a class or speak to a specific thing, but more often than not, the ones that actually, I think, have impact are, hey, we watched this movie. Hey, here are a few things that are really good about it. What do you think about that? And here are some things that I think are are a little bit off and are actually going against. So like my boys and I watched uh, Dr. Strange the other day, and then we got Bishop Barron's commentary on it and kind of looked at that. But we just talked through that which springboarded us into some theology of the body and what's Gnosticism versus that, even though those are he- very heavy, but it springboard off of something that we were engaged in. And that's, I think, the way think about Jesus. You know, just, he walked along with them and then things happened and he responded to the things that happened. That's the way we should lead our children. Absolutely. I mean, which means we should spend time with them. Right? <laughs> so I anyway, agree, I agree. But uh, <laughs> I get to get off my thing. I love this stuff and and it's it's easy to talk to. But if I don't turn this over to to our master in charge, you know, that's going to keep us on. Hey, I, just, I have a
1: little bit of a tickle in my throat today. So I might be off, you know, in the background, hacking it. <laughs> <a certain laughs> but that point, is, is going to keep us on track. Try make to keep sure, us on point and... um. I also wanted to add that, you know, the communist Italian philosopher—oh um, my gosh, this always happens to me—I'm blanking on his name.
0: Hey, just get ready for it, man,
1: because Antonio coming. Gramsci. One of the things he proposed was uh, undermining the common sense of a of a culture to replace, you know, sort of traditional European Christian uh, understandings of things with a new. Marxist proposed Mm. relationship between the individual and the state, the individuals and the the community, work, product, all like that. Yeah. But in many ways, you could say that's happened. Mm. Absolutely. And so we're, we're kind of we're kind of doing some Gramscian work here today. Of we're undermining or counter proposing the common sense of today's culture. We're, we're, we're kind of teaching our children that these ideas that you see or encounters kind of floating around out there that you're going to come in contact with. It's kind of making them critical, mm. right? It's making them their It's putting their sensors up about, Oh, this, this sounds like starophobia or this sounds like anthropocentrism. Um, you know, yeah, maybe, so gonna maybe you're ones. not going to introduce those exact terms in your right. family or at a certain age. You're going to teach them those terms, but gradually you're going to you're going to make them aware of some of these ideas that they can stand against. And, and I do think against. one of the great arguments
0: that's out there and Bishop <laughs> Baron, uh, I remember hearing him talk, and he he uses the you know when it's, is it Alicia that does when the 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 call down fire on the is that Alicia yeah, or is that Elijah, Elijah? it's Elijah. Mm-hmm um but he talks about the fact that when 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 they say you you know he goes you you priests of Baal go build your deal and I'll build mine and now all y'all call on your gods to consume it and and then he talks about how he says uh they must be sleeping or maybe they went <laughs> to the bathroom or you know cuz there's nothing catching fire and then he goes even further and says, okay, pour water on mine, do all that. And then he calls on God and God initially, um, I mean, immediately just consumes it in fire. And what he's, what he points to, I think this is true, is that we have to be willing to say, so how does that, how's that working out for you? You know, how's that calling on those God working out for you? That's what I always Mm -hmm. like to say. So how's the whole sexual revolution thing working out for you? I mean, is what it proposed to be, what it was going to bring about, what it proposed to be to bring about it. If we allowed this, is that what's really happened? Right. And what if, just by thinking, if we take the way we did it, is that working for the people who've ch- who've chosen to follow Christ in His teaching on sexuality and that? But basically, not being afraid to, to at least point to the culture and say. Hey, let's just look at how this actually is working. So maybe you've got this kind of intermingled and, and holding up culture or being part, of, probably being part of the culture, but let's see what is actually that philosophy or that thought process is actually bringing to the table and what are the fruits of it.
1: Right. So maybe we'll go through that here. Yeah. So, so um, we're going to go a little bit out of, <clears throat> boy, we're going to go a little bit out of Monsignor's order and we're going to tackle uh, anthropocentrism first. Just because my thought was children and young, young folks, it takes, it takes many years of seasoning and maturing to start to realize that you're, you're not the center of the universe, that the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, What do you, what do you mean? (laughs) What are you talking about, bro? (laughs) It's not all about About me. So yeah. So what, what is anthropocentrism and why does that, why is that an error?
0: Well, again, I think we we talk about it I mean it refers his he says to the modern tendency to have man at the center of everything and not mm-hmm. God to be it's all about me not not only individually but all about me, humans, everything right. is about that without any reference to God right again, I think at least from from my perspective is that teaching. And understanding that the incarnation is real is really important. I think that that Jesus reveals God to us, but he also reveals us to us. I mean, he reveals man to himself. And so what we need to do is say, yes, humanity is so important that God became one of us. Humanity is so called to such greatness as you say to holiness to union with God and to sainthood that God's provided everything for us mm. but if we try to say it's just about me and that I can pull myself up by my bootstraps I'm going to fail or I'm going right. to get misdirected and and to, to be able to take that teaching of the church and say this is why it's so important we can't let go of the fact that he's 100% us, the perfect man who shows us what we're capable of simultaneous, separate from sin, simultaneously he's showing us that God loves us so much and shows our value and how valuable we are. He died so that we all might live with him.
2: Absolutely. And I think, uh, as well said, and I think another crucial aspect of this is, is to go back to the Garden of Eden and uh, the theology of the body. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the theology of the body, where Pope John Paul II, uh, Pope Saint John Paul II, um, really helps us reclaim our identity as human beings. Like this anthropocentrism to like go make man kind of the center of the universe is kind of like a repudiation of his creatureliness, right? His and and if we reject who we, we if we reject that, we're rejecting who we are by our very nature. Yeah. And if we start there, if we start with such a false fundamental premise, um, we're going to, like, act in, in wrong ways. I mean, we right. won't see the end of man properly. We won't see his nature. So we won't have this teleological or this this uh, vision of man's end or what is his true good. Or, you know, we, we get unmoored from any sense of having a truth, an objective, like, nature, Right. To ourselves
0: and we and we, as Christians say that truth is not some thought, it is a person i right. mean and that that if you want to know what the truth is about me or about humanity, look to him because he is the truth, he's communicating yeah. everything about it. It's not a list of hey, here are ten things that we know, it's him, and union with him is essential to doing that. What you brought up that I think is important is uh, I think it was Saint Augustine that said. I could be wrong about that, but in trying to become more than what he was, man became less mm. than what he was intended to be mm. when he when he chose to go against what God was doing, and again right. it's in the in the in the garden he he wanted to, but God had actually more for him than he thought, and the devil tricked him into thinking well he's trying to put you down, and that's really Absolutely. the 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 struggle of all. That And it points us back to like authority. So I think from a parent's standpoint, having them understand that authority, there is somebody in authority, but that is, if it's properly understood, if it's not lorded mm-hmm. over you, as Jesus said, the the authority becomes a servant at the service of the person that they're over authority for the sake of that person. Right. right. And so as parents, we have to model that and say, look, the reason that we have a rule is not to make your life miserable, but it's because... We want what's best for you. We want you to avoid this problem. And I think that gets us to this tension that can be from when it's all about me. Mm-hmm. In other words, if it's all about me, I don't need to listen to authority, right? If that's where you get kids that just totally disrespect anybody because, hey, I mean, I want to do what I want to do. Right. I mean, who are you to tell me any different? I know best. Well, that's ultimately... <laughs> That is the sin of the fall. Absolutely. I, I know best.
2: Absolutely. So, and, and it's kind of like you know all great humor. Well, some of the greatest humor comes from irony, and it's very ironical that um, when we try to drive to make man the center of things, he loses his true dignity as right. you know in being an image and likeness of God. And there's this there's this beautiful um, a way of you know perhaps pointing out to our children um, this this irony. You know, in in a sense, that they could see, wow, like that's interesting because it's it's very close because even like we look at Saint Bonaventure, and he calls man like um, a microcosm of the universe, right? Because it's 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 like heaven and earth, right? It's it's corporeal and, and incorporeal yeah, put right. together, and here the the whole universe, matter and spirit, comes together, and there's this utter dignity to man. So you get a sense that people have. Um, they want to 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 recognize their dignity you know so we can help point out why these people kind of run into these errors you know
0: yeah what one of my favorite one of my favorite sayings which i've said for years is this is this you know um vision without action is a dream action without vision is a nightmare <laughs> and and if you don't have vision and you just go through motions Life unwinds around you. If you don't have why, where am I headed? What am I doing? And Mm -hmm. the whole purpose of this show has always been to say the mystery of parenthood, the sacrament of matrimony, that from which parenthood flows, is based on having an understanding that we're made in the image and likeness of God, and we're meant to mirror. And so everything that we do should purposely be intending to try to do the best job we can in our fallen nature, but with the help of God's grace and the sacrament of matrimony, in particular to reflect God accurately. Mm-hmm. So when we look at these difficult subjects, like I'm saying I'm trying to bring it down from okay, we have this this issue of the fall, we have this issue of of God having some rules and it's always that tension of I want to do what I want to do mm-hmm. versus somebody saying you shouldn't do that or you don't need to do that right. or something's going to happen. I think you can bring that down to bear in day-to-day trying to show our kids Mm -hmm. that our authority is at their service. Right. It's Mm -hmm. not to be the boss of them, as I've heard my kids say before, you know, you're you're the boss of me. You can do anything. No, I mean, I'm at the service of you. And to to again and again point out to them, look, it'd be easier for me to say, just go do whatever the heck you want to do. It's a lot harder for me to say, you can't do this or you have to do that or whatever. That's the harder thing to do if, if, if you take it that – and I don't gain any pleasure, and none of us mm-hmm. really do, in seeing our kids suffer mm-hmm. or in seeing them miserable, right? But sometimes misery and suffering is a result of their – Action, and we, as parents, just like God, has to point it out to them, but but be there in love to lift them back up mm-hmm. so every opportunity where they slip and fall is an opportunity to mirror God, every opportunity to exercise authority and then point out to them that that authority's for them not not for me as the right. authority figure god doesn't need i mean he can do whatever he wants, right mm-hmm. I mean, short of doing evil, I mean he can do whatever he wants, but he does it for us,
1: but anyway, yeah, so I think this uh question of struggle, difficulty that children might have with understanding the authority of their parents and having to do maybe what they don't want to do or what's uh, not pleasurable to them, that connects to this idea of starophobia. What's starophobia, according to...
0: <laughs> fear of the cross. fear of the
1: cross. Fear of the cross.
0: Yeah. but I, And I do think that that's part... I mean, fear of the cross from a parenting standpoint, and he actually, I think, actually Points to parents, even though this was it, as being parents who aren't willing to, you know, call spade a spade. That's my Mm -hmm. words, not his. But I mean, to be able to say, "Hey, this is a mistake," or "This is something that you shouldn't have done." Is that am I am I remembering correctly? Mm -hmm. Um, Storophobia means that we need to pick take up the difficult task of when it's inconvenient for us. But it's in the best interest of our children to be willing to say the hard thing, to do the hard thing that might get in the way of what we want to do,
1: but is there for us to respond purposefully in that. So I see it in my family where, you know, child A does, you know, messes up. He talks back to his mother. Uh, she forgets to complete a, a chore that has has been asked of her a, a dozen times right and it, like willfully like kind of mm-hmm. willfully just letting it go and you have to you sometimes i almost have this like shrugging of the shoulders of uh, you gotta go do this. <laughs> yep. We gotta have this confrontation. I <laughs> gotta that, call. I gotta call this out. I and, gotta and call this really, person out and, and bring is. and bring him back online. And
0: that's real. That's really the that's the issue. <clears throat> Everyone us, I, I would imagine. Would you say the same, Adam? I'm I'm asking you, but I mean, there are times when you are like. I just I just want to go to bed, or I just want to <laughs> watch this show. I don't want to have to deal with this. Absolutely. Well, star, that would be starophobia, fearing that and and running away from it. What we're called to is to actually engage. You, you, you've never had that before, Adam. No, absolutely,
2: <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, this is just part of the sacrifice um, of love. You know, right? It's, it's a it's something that requires discipline and a willful a willful choice a decision. It's not just feeling and and um. It's this great book by Father Edward Lean that was written in the thirties called Why the Cross. And and the the thesis of the book delves into um, pretty much this that suffering and happiness aren't mutual mutually exclusive terms right that they're you know sometimes even in the midst of our deepest suffering um as long as we keep our eyes on the cross and uh, our trust in jesus christ you know we we can have happiness there you know our happiness isn't determined by our external circumstances and sometimes as parents it takes our willful decision to uh, have to impose something, maybe that isn't the you know the fondest thing, but with with the understanding that it would help them grow and, and mature. Because right. sometimes suffering helps us get beyond ourselves. Um, sometimes it it inhibits us to get beyond ourselves because we get so um, we look into ourselves too much. But right. you know, as a, as parents, to kind of help rest our children out of that
0: kind of inward glance and to see the bigger picture. And interesting, and I think this is part of the mystery of parenthood. When you do that, when you step out, you're actually exhibiting what you're, you're getting out of yourself. Cause what I want to do is watch the end of this show or the, the next inning of this game or I just want to get this to, task. It, done. I just want to get this task done, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the actual getting out of what I want to do and what needs and go to what needs to be done. You're, you're actually, it, when you're doing that then you're calling them out of what they're kind of saying i want to do or i wish to do and you're saying i need or what i shouldn't have done whatever what I've, and you're engaging them and trying to call them out of themselves and there's this beautiful mystery that god is actually working in living it out absolutely is is actually working at drawing both the child and the parent out of themselves for the sake of the other. That's beautiful because we learned so much from our children. For
2: instance, like, I, you know, I, we had the raft trip, you know, and right. it, was, it was a beautiful time here, and, and uh, but a lot of energy exerted. And I came home and my three-year-old was like, Daddy, Daddy, you know, let's look at my trampoline. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I just want to take my shoes off, you know, right. relax." and then he's like, oh, Dad, let's play blocks, you know. And he's so beautiful, full of energy. And I'm thinking, man, I just want to get changed. Like, what's right. going on? I'm sitting there with, playing with blocks. I'm like, I don't want any more blocks in my life. I'm, I'm not right, blocks. Right. <laughs> these, don't, these don't hold my interest anymore. And I'm thinking, mama, you know, I'm like complaining in my head, you know. And then, like, I stopped and I felt like God really gave me an insight. He's like, you know, Adam, listen, you're, you're playing blocks with your child and he's just soaking up your presence right now. Right. And you desire my presence all the time and you look past my presence all the time. And if you just stop like complaining about this moment of suffering in quotes, right? Know, yeah, um, you would be able to settle a little bit and realize the lesson that you're learning from your child is that, you know, yeah. this presence of love. And we look at the cross and it's not primarily just to show how these sufferings a reality, it's to show us that God's love
0: is limitless and it reaches out to every aspect of our lives. Right. It's something that in the cross they do go, they suffering the cross and love go hand in hand because that's part of revelation and St. Paul points to childbirth be, yeah. to the beginning of parenthood as to even, you know, even the mother with her eyes on the end bears and goes through the suffering in order that she might have the joy. I'm, that's the trade translation, <laughs> but, but effectively that's what it is. But do you see that's the, that is the, that is the point you're, Absolutely. you're you're going through it for the sake of another. Absolutely. And
1: can, can you, um, before we move off of this topic, you said that father Edward lean. Yes. Why the cross, why the cross name of the book, he says, suffering and happiness are not mutually exclusive. Now yes. I think imp- important to understand there, what is the sort of traditional or Catholic understanding or the classical understanding of happiness? It's not, it's not the yeah. way we understand happiness in the postmodern right. world, and that helps to understand why suffering and happiness right. are not mutually okay. exclusive. Yeah, so,
2: so, happiness in the traditional understanding, the Catholic understanding, proper is, understanding, yeah, yeah, is the beatific vision. That's the fulfillment, the totality of happiness is union with God. Um, so, when we look at happiness, we're not just looking at things that uh, appease us or appeal to us and uh, and please us or give us a sense of pleasure or comfort or security. We're talking about that which purifies us and makes us more able to be in the presence of God and recognize that presence and to bask in that presence right. it,
0: it, the beatific vision is to see God as that's he right. is we actually have the ability now in that to if we have the eyes of faith to see it absolutely to see God in whom in the people that we serve in the people that are suffering in the in the poor in our children in our spouse and that's part of the that's part of the uh, I often reflect on the fact that the last judgment, when did I see you sick and not take care of you? When did I see you hungry and not feed you? Well, when you did it not to the least of these, you did it not to me.
2: Absolutely. When
0: he goes back home and he's, and he's home and everybody's like, yeah, I know this guy. I mean, he's the carpenter's son. He's Mary's son. He's, how could he be the Messiah? Because they see kind of the, the veneer they don't see what's at the depth but we as christians from with the eyes of faith are able to see god and the great saints did that the great mm-hmm. saints saw in the poor saint Teresa of calcutta she saw the poor i see jesus there mm-hmm. so in a sense you're catching a glimpse through the eyes of faith of a vision of god right mm-hmm. and the, the May or may not be theologically correct, but I do think that there's something to be said that, and we as parents need to recognize in our children and in our spouse, the opportunity to ask God, please give us the eyes of faith to recognize you in this person, because I know you're present there, right? and to serve you in that, and I think that's where happiness comes.
1: Okay, so if we're going to, if we fall into anthropocentrism, we, we see man as the measure, and if we fall into starophobia, we're not willing to take on the cross, not willing to have hard conversations or hard um, sayings or encounters, then we might fall into, and I think we can take these next three kind of all as a bundle. The next three errors are misconstruing the nature of tolerance, equating love with kindness and mercy with without reference to repentance. He mentions all three of those are, those are three more additional errors. Um, Let's just kind of, you know, talk about those in relationship to one another because they all, they all impact one another.
0: Well, the, the one that jumps out at me of those three that I think is worth is, is the idea of, of love being equated with kindness. Love is the most, overused and misunderstood term in the human language. Cause it's, it's a word that doesn't even have distinctions. Especially in, our in English. In English, it doesn't have distinctions. There are distinctions in other language that you can kind of, what type of love is this? Right. But you know, I can say I love chocolate or I love Freebird's burritos right next to saying, I love my wife and the word itself is diminished. Um, and so I think, I think part of it, you know, they equated with kindness. Well, certainly kindness is part of love, but, but love is something more. And so we need to recapture the fact, and it's just thought we just talked about it. It flows kind of what we were talking about, that love is giving oneself away mm-hmm. for the sake of the person you're giving, giving yourself away to. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, le- I'm dying to myself for the sake of another, which is choosing to do blocks for, for a dad <laughs> when you don't want to, is I'm giving myself, I could be doing something else. I might even want to do something else, but I know it means something to my child, so I am going to pour myself out in that thing. Now, you know, we we tend to make being a saint a bunch of these really big things, Mm -hmm. and they do come along. I know um, we have saints that do it, but I think most of life as a parent are given the opportunities for those small 10 minutes with your kid doing a block, doing blocks or Whatever they're ask. I mean, I, I failed yesterday because my son wanted to go driving and I was in the middle of something. I was like, I, I, he's learning how to drive. I, I, I'm sorry,
1: I'll do it another day. I should have
0: ta- taken 15 minutes to just go drive around the block with him.
1: You know, I mean, should have. Did you could be do turning donuts with them or something yeah. in the parking lot. Come on. <laughs> we can't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's
0: that was of those, of, of those I think that we need as parents to always point our children back to defining love and be careful about how we use the word love around and at least make reference to. You don't want to be over spiritual or over uh, that, but you do think, hey, you know, Maybe we could use I like it a
1: lot. Just, I was just going to say know. the same thing. I mean, try to be disciplined in the language you use. Try to say, I really enjoy chocolate, rather than saying, I love chocolate so right. much. Or I love this movie. I really found this movie compelling, or I found it interesting. Here's why. Right. Lo- saying love in those other ways is such a like a short... It, it sort of cuts off um, rational thought, almost. Mm, it's yeah. just this... Catch-all for like it. Uh, it appealed to me, or it didn't appeal to me. Or well, it and then you gave me about pleasure, it, or it didn't give me pleasure.
0: It undermined. And Jesus. I mean, Saint John says God is love, and so if, if that's in our minds that love, what is love? I mean, how how great can God what be? What is
1: love? If yeah, baby, don't hurt. Is that what you're, was that where you were <laughs> no, going? It was not where I was oh, going. Okay.
0: <laughs> that's where I was going. Bro. <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> but anyway, I I don't know what other other ones. Uh, yeah. So the, and the other two were. um misconstruing tolerance and
2: mercy without, mercy
1: without, without repentance.
2: Mm. I, I find like the, the,
1: the thread that
2: ties all these together is uh, like, if we accept terms or accept positions or accept cultural trends without trying to always link happiness and freedom with truth, yeah. So when we seek, um, we need to seek mercy to receive mercy, but to seek mercy, you have to realize that there's something really truthfully, um, wrong or out of place or disordered. Um, same thing for like tolerance, like tolerance, like Monsignor Pope says here is, is, um, you know, you're, you're suffering something that's, that you perceive to be wrong. Um, not it's, it, it's pointing that something is erroneous or something is wrong and you're tolerating it it's not necessarily affirming it or being indifferent to it like he mentions so all these things are like issues of of truth right like 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 Pope John Paul II says in Veritate Splendor like truth um there is no freedom without truth absolutely you know um and I think like with our children like all these topics like speaking about it like equating um Love with kindness, misconstruing the nature of tolerance and mercy, with, uh, without reference to repentance. It's still it's it's that we can't give up the fact that there are things that are really good, and really true, and really truly beautiful. It's right. not just a subjective preference. It's not um, something that you kind of have an opinion about because we we all have opinions. I mean, <laughs> look at all social media. Like we're we're opinion experts, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And opinions
1: it, are like everybody's got one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't go there.
2: <laughs> but uh you know so it's like it's everything without the like the
0: fact that we have an objective truth. And that's and I was talking with my my oldest son last I'm on my oldest oldest son that's home last night and we were talking about the fact that you know the beginning of of any real and I think he talks about dialogue I don't mean to go there. Yes, it, it's, based on, go, it's based on based tr- on it was based on on truth and you can't really dialogue unless you at least begin with the fact that there is truth that exists objectively and it doesn't exist because I believe it It exists separate from me. Uh, My job is to conform myself to that truth, Mm -hmm. not, not to reinvent it. What tolerance I think does, and you got to be careful is say, is actually saying you need to tolerate me where I am doing what I'm doing because I think it's okay. Mm -hmm. I think it's true because it's true for me it's an injustice to the person. It's the, the not the loving thing. It's certainly not the merciful thing to tolerate them in the mire they find themselves.
1: Right. And right. also understanding it that way it does violence to the word itself tolerance, as he points out. It's mm-hmm. not what tolerance means. Tolerance right. means mm-hmm. to is putting up with something up with that something. you don't approve of, but sort of making sure that the, that's not uh, there aren't. Un, unjust penalties that come down right. on that behavior or action which we all agree but he's saying th- he's saying th- this this postmodern conception of it is a is really they're asking for approval they're asking for yeah and, a, a, a,
0: approval or at least acceptance don't challenge me on what i'm uh, what i'm doing tolerate me where i am
1: almost val- almost I, mean, I would use this the term almost valorization of certain things yeah. now
0: and so and so and we've talked about it. you may not have heard this but we we and I'm glad it's coming back maybe some of people and it may be blasphemy that I'm saying this but we always talk we always talk about the fact that our family used to watch um, American Idol mm-hmm. for the purpose of somebody would go in there and sing and they would be awful I mean they mm-hmm. would be completely awful and we would and you'd hear the people, you know, they'd sing. The parent would be, "Oh, you're you're doing so great, you're doing so great," and <laughs> then and then the judges would say, "You're that's awful." <laughs> I mean, to just leave and don't ever sing again. You know, <laughs> that's truth without grace. But the thing I point to is the parent that walks out. Everybody in the world, in the universe, has heard this and knows. That person cannot sing, mm-hmm. yet there's a parent walking out saying, you're going to be the next star. <laughs> Don't listen to anybody I say, just keep doing what you're doing. And we point out to our kids, what's the loving thing? Would the loving thing be, hey, listen, this is not one of your gifts. Mm-hmm. Let's find something else for you. Let's redirect you or just just, just keep working at this. Right. I mean, what is the loving thing? We asked you, would you rather us tell you the truth? One of the greatest comments I ever got when I told the truth to one of my kids was my was my dad says, "Listen to Dad; he will always tell you the truth." Mm. But we have to we have to follow it up with with love and redirection and grace mm. as well. So, anyway, but I think Absolutely. you're right. That is the common thread, And in and, and mercy and repentance is required because repentance is is merely addressing the truth that I've offended somebody, mm. right? Or I've done. I, I'm, I'm again it points to measuring ourselves against something that's not part of ourselves Right. You holding, know. holding ourselves up against what is true, good and, and beautiful.
2: And I've been like, just briefly thinking on this and I don't know, um, I'm not an expert in any means on this, but there's a d- distinction between guilt and shame. And I feel like a lot of times mercy without reference to justice or without reference to having a repentant attitude is almost like, you know, some people conf, uh, confuse guilt with shame, so like they, maybe they're guilty for something and they're feeling this sense of guilt, but our society says no, you're just feeling ashamed of like some preconception right. of some wrong that's not a real wrong. It used to be wrong or something like that, so you're just feeling ashamed. So let's you know give you the the mercy to kind of cut, to appease that, so you don't have to struggle with that anymore. And in a sense, you're you're, you're kind of like. Um, taking the teeth out of the guilt. You know, guilt's not always, if it's, you know, if that's all you harbor on, that's obviously bad, but sometimes guilt leads
0: us to, you know, seek mercy. That's the great tension that we as Christians have to put out there. I am a sinner, a miserable sinner. I do not follow the truth, but at the same time, I trust in a God. I trust in a God who died for me and wants me to come out of that mire. The only way out is to actually point back to him and say, I know I'm wrong, Lord. Please help me. Mm-hmm. It's the turn like Peter's falling in the, it, you know, submerging in the water yeah, right. and re, Lord save me. You know, we're lost in the ocean if we walk across without reference and eyes on who Jesus mm-hmm. is and what the truth is. But we can't buy into this thing that said so the best way to get around is to just get rid of. There's no truth. There's yeah. nothing that you should be held accountable for. Therefore, really, the answer to your shame, to your guilt, is to just accept yourself as you are. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and Without and, and a, <clears throat>
1: reference. To another shame. aspect of all this, how anthropocentrism set, set uh, fits into this, is yes. there are there are certain there are many age-old truths that are and let's say sins that are being discarded, mm-hmm. and there are new there are new sins that are being created and and people are being held to account for those for those new sins mm-hmm. and there are there's new shame that's being created around violating those new norms and there's mm-hmm. new right punishments that are being uh designed and levied against people for so it's it,
0: they don't tolerate us in our calling them out on the truth. I mean, I think that's what you're. The, these say.
1: same these same um, mechanisms are still are still there.
0: It's mm-hmm. just changed. It's just flipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's it's true. Yeah,
1: and we have to we have to. I think that's part of what we need to educate our our children too as well. Is making them kind of pulling the pulling the veil away mm-hmm. and and saying and seeing that you know there is a man behind the curtain here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. And this is what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Might be taken in
2: I think I think it was trace that you mentioned reference, and uh something came to my head this might seem irrelevant, but um probably not you know <laughs> when we have a a reference point a fixed standard um we can we can we can actually critically analyze our situation our culture things like that um I think with the whole movement towards all the these aspects of our culture. Is to like uproot that reference, and then anything's go. It's a relativism, the dictatorship of relativism, as Pope Benedict right. said. But when I was in the Coast Guard, we went, uh, I flew in helicopters, and one of the tests was a dunker, and you had to, be, you you had blacked out goggles, and they simulated helicopter crash, and you go underwater, and or water whatever <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you are talking about, so, Philly, you know, Philly guy. Uh, <laughs> to go underwater, and the thing was that you have to have a reference point because you can't see, and once you undo your harness, you, you're going to float. You're going to be upside down, and if you don't have a reference point, you have no clue of where you are. Your orientation is absolutely, absolutely gone. Yep. And I was scared, and my thing was I lost my reference point the first time, and I'll tell you, I had no clue where I was, and I, I, I had to get help to get out of the helicopter the first time. Um, and and this is kind of similar uh, i mean we need to keep our, give our kids that anchor that reference so that you know they can approach these things with the charity that you were mentioning like knowing that the victory's won like there's not this it's not like um you know it's up to them just solely to change it you know it's just up to them to be able to To have that reference point. Right. And to walk into
0: happiness. And that's
2: why I think every house
0: should have multiple crucifixes in it. Because the reference point, really, anytime you ask, the answer is always Jesus. Mm. And particularly Jesus on the cross and what happened after that. So if you don't know the answer, Mm -hmm. you know, I always try to tell my kids, if you if you don't know the answer, if we don't know the answer, it's there. (laughs) <laughs> we we have to discover it we have and to, our
1: uh, reference point for this program is the clock and we're yeah. butting up against it so <laughs> we let's more? we trey maybe quickly say something about universalism and adam say something about role reversal if or or by reverse roles and say something well,
0: universalism else. is is the the idea that you know we're all we're all going to heaven right mm-hmm. i mean and it's all good dude. it's all good and and again i think that's that that strikes at – because what is being attacked here is truth. And if truth is being attacked, the existence of truth is being attacked. Jesus is being attacked. that Jesus is being attacked, God's being attacked. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Again, getting back to that, we have have to recognize that God has a plan. We know he loves him and he loves everybody. And we have a responsibility to be able to go out in truth and say – and not be afraid to say, as my good Protestant friends are not afraid to say Mm – you know where are you with the Lord? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we got to be willing to engage the people that we have relationships with and say, where are you? Where do you stand in relation to the truth, to Jesus, to God, and where are you going to be
1: forever? Mm-hmm. And Adam, just a word about role reversal. Just if you, yeah. even if you want to just summarize it for yeah, the listeners. To sum,
2: just to summarize it, the role reversal that Monsignor Pope's talking about is using the world as a reference to judge uh, the Gospels or judge the Church, as opposed to using Christ and his message and the church to kind of have a critical, um, analysis of the world around you. Right. So it's a, the same thing with the reference point. It, it's actually, I wouldn't say choosing a different reference point. I would say it's letting go. You're letting go of the
0: reference
1: have any point. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate that we're running yeah. out of time and we can't, we, we really could devote more and should devote more time I mean, to we'll universalism we'll and role reversal because those are two Absolutely. really important points. But yeah. Trey, close us out.
0: Yeah, well, anyway, thanks for listening guys. Um, As we always say here, uh, pray, parent with purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for coming on, Adam. Thanks, Adam. So much. I appreciate your time very much. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of
1: parenthood.